Tonight's reading is from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be at peace. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and rent it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's clothes cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. The word of the Lord. Thirteen meditations. One, origin. The book of Kings is not the writings of a healthy, sane person. This writer does not do yoga, see a therapist, think globally, act locally, or take the occasional me-time vacation from work. This writer is all swaggering anger, a gut full of fire, something to prove. 
he's macho, really, like in the most obnoxious way, like in the way that most obnoxious action movies are obnoxious. That's how he's obnoxious. Here's how Second Kings starts. After Ahab's death, Moab rebelled against Israel. Yuck. It's like the text scrolling down the screen at the beginning of some overwrought waste of 2.55 hours. I find myself suspecting that this is the origin of the action movie. Two, Elijah's last big miracle. Fifty soldiers marching down a dirt road. It's evening. A man has called for the death of the king or something. It's hard to say. You only hear vague murmurs emanating from the dull glow of the captain's tent at night. You walk through small villages and knock on the doors of the people and beg for food. If they do not give you food, you must take it from them. You march at dawn, and your muscles are sore always. You're a few days out when you start to hear that you aren't the first 50 soldiers who went to see this man on a hill who threatened the life of the king. Villagers become more generous with you, giving you bread and olive oil and good cuts of meat. You see in their eyes a sadness for you. They know you are walking towards a darkness you cannot fathom or turn away from. Fire from the sky, you hear. He called down fire from the sky and burned up 50 soldiers. At night, you have nightmares. Birds with wings of fire scrape out your eyes with their talons, the heat of their beating wings against your face. 50 soldiers marching down a dirt road. Three, narrative of power. The Book of Kings is a narrative of power stripped clean of all complexity. It has a singular focus, proposition. If a king follows the God of Israel and does not burn incense to other gods, make idols, or sacrifice children, or allow his people to worship other gods, good things happen. If the king does worship other gods or allow his people to worship other gods, bad things happen. The Book of Kings is a structure of simple binaries. Four, sit adjacent. Sit adjacent to the author of the Book of Kings. Do not sit across the table from him. Look at him in profile, his lips moving in silhouette. It is too much to look into his eyes. There is time for that later. He's been speaking this story for a thousand years. Notice his eyes, the anger passing over his face like thunderheads. Listen to how he relishes violence, blood, fire from heaven. Listen to him say, At that time, Menahim, starting out from Tizah, attacked Tifshah and everyone in the city and its vicinity because they refused to open their gates. He sacked Tifshah and ripped open all the pregnant women. Listen to him say, That night the angel of the Lord went, da- went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. We must ask ourselves, sitting next to him, what has happened to this man? What is driving this story of blood and fire? Five. But what does it mean that Elijah is taken to heaven? Elijah is taken up into heaven on chariots and horses of fire. There are a number of different interpretations for what this means. 
According to BibleUFO.com, a clear indication of the physical nature of these flying crafts is their description as there as there is their description as chariots of the of the Lord of Israel. The word from which chariot is translated means vehicle, cavalry, or millstone, which of course is a thick disc-shaped object. The actual attachment of the number 20,000, though vague and true meaning, shows that a great number of flying vehicles are associated with the Lord of Israel. This indicates that he has a fleet. Catholics wrestle with Elijah's ascension. How can he go to a place that has not been opened yet? They argue that uh, perhaps he kind of hung out around the gates until Jesus got there, or maybe there's like a second heaven. Evangelicals, though, they know what's up. Their interpretations are as forceful as they are ill-conceived. There's that line at the end where Elisha says, My Lord, my Lord, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And there's this one evangelical pastor I read made the argument that we somehow are the chariots and horsemen of Israel that we were once the enemies of God, but through Jesus we've become his soldiers. His argument is so naively simple and grotesque, and he delivers it with the enthusiasm of a child who's just been potty trained. He ends saying, This pulpit is elevated so you can see me better, but you should see the view from here. You know what I see? The chariots and horsemen of Israel. I don't even know where to start with this guy. Six, simplicity. Simplicity is the pursuit of an intelligible world, a world that we can get our arms around. More for less. It promises that our lives can be basic mathematical algorithms. Save money, live better. Do X and Y happens. More savings, more doing. Input, output, breathe in, breathe out. Seven, Elisha's third miracle. Elisha is walking down the road when a gang of youths begin taunting him. They call after him, get out of here, baldy. Go away, bald head. They taunt him until Elisha turns around and curses them in the name of the Lord. Two bears then lumber out of the woods and maul 42 of the boys. Eight, serial killer. Okay, so the Book of Kings may have been written by a serial killer. I've been reading this guy for the past three weeks, and there is something deeply deeply disturbed inside him. Like, deeply disturbed. For me, it's mostly his repetitions, his mantra, these tics of his. So, like, the phrase, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, is repeated 27 times in the book of Kings. How did these men do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Mostly by following what their forebearers did, worshiping or allowing the worship of other gods. His logic has a sinister simplicity, a brutal ideology. Input, output. Nine, what drives us to simplicity? What drives us to simplicity? 
What is appealing in a smooth plane, in the golden ratio, in clean lines, in stainless steel pots, in self-serve checkout lines, in big box stores, in global positioning systems, in HGTV, in the black keys, in political parties, in drive-through food, in three-in-one cleaning solutions, in Jonathan Franzen, in 24-hour cable news that caters to your particular and unique political views, in us-them dialectics. What drives us towards the simple, the easily digestible? And you feel it in yourself, this desire to condemn these people who are just fine with simplicity? Laziness, you want to say. You feel it, this drive to relegate anyone who does not have a complex response to nationalism or Jacques Lacan or gentrification into some reprehensible category, ideologue, lazy American, suburbanite. And it's then that you realize that you too are caught up in the machinery of simplicity, relegating these abstractions into tight little dungeons of minivans and sitcoms and Cheetos. This is the return valve. This is the sinister nature of simplicity, that it's not simple at all. 10, the simplicity of the Book of Kings. We are busy, we are tired. Syria is descending into chaos and people are posting pictures of babies on Facebook and there are elderly people in nursing homes and Neutral Milk Hotel is playing at First Avenue in February. We need horse blinders to thrive. We need to choose our complexity carefully. But sit adjacent to the writer of the Book of Kings. He has a more aggressive simplicity. We all murmur truisms to ourselves but this guy's mantra is relentless. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. I think, though, that you can see a thin room behind the ink on the page, one that lets you slide behind the text. See, in 587 BC, Babylon began a siege of Jerusalem that lasted 30 months. Every worst woe befell the city, our writer tells us. The king of Judah fled but was captured on the plains of Jericho where his eyes were put out and he was bound and taken to Babylon. Once Jerusalem fell, the Babylonian armies were, were sent to complete its destruction, plundering the city and destroying Solomon's temple. But it was more than losing a city. It was the beginning of Jewish diaspora. It was the end of Israel, the last time that the Jews are all together. So our author's simplicity is not just out of convenience. This ideology is born in pain. 11, the ascensions. There are two other ascension stories in the Bible, Enoch and Jesus. Both of them are fairly brief. Take Enoch's. Enoch walked with God and he was no longer for God had taken him. Jesus, on the other hand, most of the Gospels, is just talking with the disciples, and then he's taken up, and a cloud receives him. And I find these stories so radically different from the story of Elijah, Jesus' story in particular. There are no fires or chariots or horsemen. There's just peace. Twelve, a resistant ascension. Here's my theory on these different ascension stories. We know that the swaggering anger of the Book of Kings is mostly driven by an ideology born in pain. 
He wants a simple explanation for why the Babylonians have enslaved the Israelites. He's trying to get his arms around this throbbing lack. And I think he consumed the story that was told to him by his Babylonian masters, one that believes that humility and kindness are signs of weakness. Think about it. Is there any humility in the book of Kings? Any kindness? I didn't see any. But it's not like the writers of the gospel had it much easier. They were enslaved to Rome. They were being burned at the stake. They were being fed to lions. So for me, it seems like there's something in the gospel, something in Jesus that resists this narrative of power and simplicity. But then, why is the book of Kings in the Bible? There are plenty of historical books of Israel. Why not just leave it there? 13. Early this month, on the east side, a brawl broke out on Payne Avenue, and a young man, a guy around my age, tried to pass through the the crowd of onlookers. Uh, And somebody hit him in the head with a can of vegetables in a sock. Someone else stomped on him. Someone else removed his pants. When the police found him, he was bleeding and unconscious, and he was immediately put into an induced coma at the hospital. He's still there. And then in July, there was another 30-person brawl on the east side that ended with the fatal shooting of a 17-year-old kid. The shooter was another 17-year-old kid. So at times, it feels like the dark reality sketched out in the Book of Kings hasn't really gone anywhere. I mean, we're talking about a neighborhood 4.5 miles from here, just down Minnehaha. And if you look a little further, like, say, Southside Chicago, that feeling deepens. And you cross some oceans, you get the idea. So here's what I'm trying to say. I think that we have this book of kings in the Bible to give us some semblance of hope, an inkling that things can somehow get better, that us broken-up humans can at times surprise ourselves. The Romans brutalized the writers of the Gospels as they were writing the Gospels, just like the writer of the book of kings toiled under Babylonian brutality. But here's the thing. Somehow, the Gospel writers were able to escape the return valve of simplicity to resist the narrative of power, to gesture towards a world that was not based on simple binaries and us-them dialectics and scapegoats. They gave us a book that taught us to treat each other with kindness and humility and grace. And for me, that is some sort of hope.